Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. As a church, we are about the mission of the gospel. And the mission of the gospel is seeing people get saved, come to faith in Christ, and get built up in their faith through the process of discipleship to discover the gifts and the calling upon your life that God has placed there, and then to help you engage in those gifts and callings. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study in the book of Acts. Join us as Pastor Brian begins his teaching on Acts, chapter 18, verses 1 through 6 and 19 through 28, in a message titled, Gospel Mission, a Team Effort. Now, here's Pastor Brian. The effort to to get the gospel out to the world is, it's a team effort. It's not, there's not any one person, there's not any one church, there's not any one denomination or movement that's going to do that. Uh, it, it's a collective effort. It's, it's a team effort. And as we've been going through Acts here, uh, there, there have been several people that we have read about and maybe even mentioned who are, they're sort of like the supporting cast. You know, like in a film, you've got your main, you know, actors, you've got your stars, your co-stars, and then you've got the supporting cast. And as we're going through Acts, you know, the focus has been on a few people, the primary focus. So uh, there was a, a time here in Acts where Peter was sort of the, the main focus, and then there were a number of people around him that were included in the story. And, and now, as we're making our journey through, we've come to Paul and his ministry. That's kind of the main focus. But there's all kinds of supporting cast uh, around Paul. Paul was a team guy. And so what I really sense that we needed to do today was go back and look at some of those people that are uh, connected to Paul, some that we've been reading about here. So we're going to look at five different people today. And they are Silas, Timothy, Aquila, Priscilla, and Apollos. So every one of them are, are mentioned in the passage. But, but what we're going to see is that, you know, these were the people that God brought around the Apostle Paul. These are the people that Paul invited to join him in uh, the ministry. And, and these are the people that God used to advance the gospel in that generation. And all of that to remind us that uh, that's what we're about. Because as a church, we are about the mission of the gospel. And the mission of the gospel is seeing people get saved, come to faith in Christ, and get built up in their faith through the process of discipleship to discover the gifts and the calling upon your life that God has placed there, and then to help you engage in those gifts and calling. And so as we look at this subject today of, of the team, that's really my ultimate objective, is to encourage you, to remind you that it is a team effort, you are part of the team, and so God has a plan, and let's see through these different people how he might 
speak to us today. So beginning with Silas. So Silas, we were introduced to Silas back in the 15th chapter of Acts. And uh, for those of you that maybe don't remember the details, Silas was one of the leading men in the Jerusalem church who was then sent by the elders in Jerusalem to Antioch, which was the center of Gentile Christianity. So Silas was sent back with Paul and Barnabas after the big discussion that took place in Jerusalem about whether the Gentiles needed to adhere to the Mosaic law. And the answer was no, they didn't. And so uh, the elders in Jerusalem, they wrote a letter They gave it to Paul and Barnabas, said, take it back to uh, Antioch, to the Gentiles there. And here, we're going to send with you Judas, and we're going to send Silas. And these two are going to be our representatives. So Silas comes along with another man named Judas, and he's there to say, uh, I'm from Jerusalem, and everything Paul and Barnabas are telling you in this letter, this is the decision that's come down from the, the elders in Jerusalem. Now, then Silas decides, rather than go back to Jerusalem, he's going to stay in Antioch, and and ultimately he becomes the traveling companion and the co-laborer with the Apostle Paul. Now, maybe you remember as we've been going through here, there was a point where Paul and Barnabas were the, the ministry team. They were partnering together. They had a dispute that caused them to separate, go their, go their separate ways. It ended up, we pointed this out, in the end, it was all good. They they were reconciled. But when Paul and Barnabas separated, Silas, in a sense, took the place of Barnabas. So he becomes that person who's right there along with Paul going on these missionary journeys, right there preaching with Paul, ministering follow-up with Paul to the new converts. We read about him in Philippi, When Paul was arrested and put in jail and beaten, Silas was there with him. And he went through the exact same thing and was Paul's ministry companion. But he's a person that we don't hear much about his background prior to just being a leader in the church in Jerusalem. And yet he's a key player in the story. He's mentioned four other times in the New Testament uh, outside of the book of Acts. He's mentioned in 2 Corinthians, and Peter mentions him. The old translation, if you have like a King James version, he's called Silvanus. Silvanus and Silas are the same person. In the newer translations, he's just referred to as Silas. But he is mentioned in Paul's letters to the Thessalonians, when Paul writes to the church in Thessalonica, he addresses them that the letter is from Paul, Silas, and Timothy. Now, these are the guys who would have gone into Thessalonia with the gospel. And so, so Silas is a person, here's my point here, Silas is a person who we don't know much about, but he was obviously a key figure in the ministry in those early days. And, you know, this is just generally a truth. There are many, many people that we might never hear of, and yet they've had a tremendous impact for 
the kingdom of God. You know, once in a while, I will, I don't know, through various means, I'll come into contact with uh, people that I've never heard of before, and yet they are doing a tremendous work for the kingdom of God. You think, wow, I thought I kind of knew everything that was going on in the church. And then you realize, no, I don't, I don't know half of it. There's, God has all kinds of people out there. And he's had that from the very beginning with people like this. So, so Silas is the first person, but Timothy is also part of this story. Now, Timothy, we were introduced to Timothy in the 16th chapter of the book of Acts. And um, I, I think anybody who has maybe been a Christian for a little while, Timothy is probably a much more familiar name than Silas even. One of the reasons for that is that there are two letters in the New Testament that were directed to Timothy. They are, we call them 1 Timothy and 2 Timothy. But these were letters that were written by Paul to this young man, Timothy. Now, now Timothy, according to what we see in Scripture, was a young man with an obviously genuine faith in Christ. We know he was young because Paul actually references his youth. He says to Timothy, when he writes to him, he says, let no one despise your youth. So there's questions as to, you know, just how old Timothy might have been. I, I personally would guess that he was in his late teens or probably early 20s when he met up with Paul. But here's what happened. Paul went into the area of uh, Lystra, and we read there in Acts 16 that there was a certain disciple there named Timothy the son of a Jewish woman who believed, but his father was a Greek. And here's the key. He was well spoken of by the brothers who were at Lystra and Iconium. So here's this young guy who is basically impressed the leaders of the church. So he was a young guy that they looked at and said, man, this, this guy, Timothy, he's amazing. He's young, but he's obviously very devoted. His faith was, was genuine. And Paul even commented on that when he wrote to him. He talked about the genuine faith that was in Timothy. And, and Paul says, this is the same faith that was in your mother. And it was the same faith that your grandmother had as well. Uh, we know that Timothy had been raised. His, his father was a Greek. His mother was Jewish. We know that his mother did a great job in instilling the truth of the scripture in Timothy. Because Paul, when he writes to Timothy, later he says, from a child, from your earliest days, you have known the holy scriptures which are able to make one wise to salvation. So Timothy is a really impressive young man. So Paul comes and he's introduced to Timothy and Paul basically says, hey, come and join my team. Join my ministry team. And... Timothy agreed to do that, but then what we read is that Paul took Timothy and circumcised him. Now, like I said, Timothy's, you know, a young man. Circumcision was normally the thing that you did, you know, for infants, and occasionally, of course, if a person would convert to Judaism, they would go through circumcision, but circumcision was a painful experience. It was uh, an uncomfortable experience, especially for uh, a grown-up. And, you know, that kind of gives us a little bit of insight into Timothy. 
in that although he was a young guy, he wasn't really primarily concerned about taking the easy route. He wasn't really mainly concerned about his own comfort. He was willing to experience discomfort so that he could follow the Lord. And that, that's a great trait. And all of those young people that have uh, been used by God, and even many today, this is, this is something that you see in them. They're, they're willing to step out of their comfort zone because you have to be. If you're going to serve the Lord, then you can be sure that there's going to be some point where he's going to direct you to something that is a bit of a challenge, something that's not quite you know, exactly what you wanted, uh, something that's maybe going to put you out of your comfort zone. And so there's going to have to be a sacrificial element. And we see that Timothy was willing to do that. And so Paul took him, he circumcised him, not for spiritual reasons, but practically because Paul knew that uh, Timothy's father being a Greek, the Jews that were opposed to Paul would have used that against Timothy, but the fact that he was circumcised indicated that he was uh, emphasizing the Jewish side of things. So it was, a, it was a means of just avoiding conflict. Now, Timothy, according to what we know from the writings of Paul, uh, Timothy had been prophesied over. So what that means is he was a young guy and God had spoken through others about Timothy. There, there were prophecies concerning him. And at a certain point, Paul will say to Timothy, he will encourage him to be strong, and he'll say, draw strength from those prophecies that were made over you. In other words, Timothy, remember, God spoke these things. God gave words to you that were very personal, that he was with you and that he was going to use you. So when you get into those challenging and difficult seasons, fall back on those prophecies. Remember those things. One of the things that we see, again, from the writings is that Timothy was a timid personality. So he was strong in his faith. He was deeply committed, but he was kind of shy. He, he had a tendency to sort of draw back a little bit. And, and Paul has to encourage him not to to let that timid side dominate him. Paul would say, Timothy, God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's given us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. And so he, he encouraged Timothy there. And he also reminded Timothy that it was through the laying on of hands that he had received those gifts that were demonstrated in his life. Paul actually refers to, on, on the one hand, he talks about the laying on the hand of the elders, but then Paul includes himself that he had actually laid hands on Timothy. Paul referred to Timothy as his son in the faith. Now, Paul had a lot of associations, but Timothy seems to be unique in this sense that out of all of the people that Paul was connected with, this is probably the closest relationship that he had considered him a son. He said this in writing to the Philippians about Timothy, who they would have known because Timothy was there with them when, they, when the church was established in Philippi. But he said this later. He said, but I trust in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you shortly, for I have no one like-minded who will sincerely care for your state, for all seek their own, 
not the things which are of Christ Jesus, but you know his proven character that as a son with his father, he served with me in the gospel. So that's what Paul says about Timothy. He says, you know, I've got no one like him. Timothy is unique. Everyone is seeking their own things, but not Timothy. Timothy is, is very much devoted to the things of Christ. So Timothy was appointed by Paul as the leader of the church in Ephesus at one point. Timothy was uh, imprisoned. We know he was imprisoned because Hebrews uh, 13 talks about his release from prison. Timothy has been released from prison, and I will see you with him shortly. And also, one other thing about Timothy is that he was the one who it seems that Paul saw as his successor. So at the end of Paul's life, the very last letter that Paul writes is to Timothy. Second Timothy is what we call it. But that was Paul's last letter. And he writes to Timothy and he basically says, Timothy, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. And you know, he's basically saying, now I'm leaving. I'm going to be with the Lord. Paul was going to be executed by Nero, which he, of course, was. But he says to Timothy, basically, he says, Timothy, everything that I have poured into you, everything that I have shown you, it's, it's now your turn. You are now to take the lead. And, and Timothy did rise to the occasion. Timothy is mentioned 19 times outside of the book of Acts. So you see, although, you know, again, he's in a sense in the story here, he's kind of a background person, yet we see that he played a significant role in the the foundation of the early church and in the ministry of Paul. And may I say that just like Timothy was a young person Man, we need young people on the team. God, God is calling young men and women to, to step up, just like Timothy did. And there's sacrifice that's involved. There's a, a calling out from maybe the, the comfort zone or maybe, maybe the plans that you've had. But, you know, God does those kinds of things. And I, I can think back over, you know, many years now about, uh, you know, many of the young people that God has called into the ministry and equipped them and, you know, raised them up and gifted them and has used them and is using them. And that, that can't stop. That has to keep going from generation to generation. So maybe today you're a, a younger person and you're wondering about, well, you know, what, what about my life? What, what's God's plan for me? Well, know this, God's plan is for you to be part of the team, his team, Team Jesus, and he's got a purpose that he wants you to accomplish, and he's got gifts that he's going to give you to do that very thing. So Silas, Timothy, and now we come to a couple, Aquila and Priscilla. And we were introduced to them in the beginning of uh, the 18th chapter there. Of course, we're told that they came from Rome because they were expelled as Jews. Uh, Claudius had expelled the Jews from Rome. And they 
came and they met Paul in Corinth. Now, they were obviously a husband and wife, but they were a husband and wife ministry team. You know, that's a, a beautiful thing, a husband and wife ministry team. Now, now sometimes, you know, in a, in, sometimes in a marital situation, you've got one person that really wants to serve the Lord and the other one's like, no, nah, I'm, I'm too busy or, you know, I got other plans. That's not good. God wants to use husbands and wives together. He wants to use you together as a ministry team. Now, of course, I mean, obviously there are some cases where there's not a, a connection because one of the, one of the persons is, is not a believer, so we're not talking about that, but we're talking about the people who are two believers married together, see yourselves not just as a couple, but see yourselves as a ministry team because that's how God wants to use you. They were a ministry team, but another interesting thing about them is that they were business partners as well. They had a business. This is how they met Paul. They were tent makers by trade. And tent makers is, uh, that's kind of limiting for what the word actually means. It, it's broader than that. They, they made tents, but they worked with leather. They worked with fabric and they had a business. And so they were business partners and it was through that business that they connected with Paul. It was undoubtedly through that business that they, of course, supported themselves. But as we look at the bigger picture of, of these two in the scripture, they were a tremendous support to many and probably through their business endeavors, they supported the work of the ministry even financially as well. But as we look at the, the broader picture of them outside of the book of Acts for a moment, we know that they led a church in their home. So there was a church in their home. And at a certain point, Paul makes reference to the church in the home of these two, Priscilla and Aquila. And then what we see here in the text, of course, is their influence on Apollos. Apollos is the last person that we're going to look at but he was tremendously influenced by this couple. Now, Apollos becomes a very significant voice in the early church, actually kind of seen right alongside of Paul and Peter, seen as, as an apostolic person. But he started out with a zeal and somewhat of a knowledge, but his knowledge was not quite thorough enough. He, he was lacking in something. And it was these two that identified that weakness. And they reached out to him and brought him into a more thorough knowledge and, and helped him in his ministry. So it's, it's really a beautiful picture of this you know, married couple, maybe a little bit older than Apollos. They're committed to the ministry and they look at him and say, man, we can help this guy. And now, let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. Hi, I want to take a minute and tell you about a fantastic book on the subject of the grace of God. This is one of the greatest topics that we could ever study and we could ever come to really 
thoroughly understand. God's grace, God's grace is what saves us. God's grace is what carries us through life. And God's grace is what will ultimately lead us home. And my wife, Cheryl Broderson, she has written an amazing book on grace. It's called A Woman's Battle for Grace. And I would like to recommend this, not just to our women listeners, although it's sort of specifically for women, but it's a little more general on grace. So I think any of you men that would be interested in the topic, you would be blessed by this book as well. So it's called A Woman's Battle for Grace, and it's by Cheryl Broderson. And I want to recommend that you get it and read it, and I guarantee that you'll be blessed by it. Again, this month's resource is a book titled A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson. You can order the book A Woman's Battle for Grace by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book A Woman's Battle for Grace by Cheryl Broderson to help you experience the power of God's grace within your life. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we study together in the book of Acts. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.